conflict from a, a, a space of spiritual maturity, right? I'm not going to give you so much of like psychological and mindset hacks, but I'm going to speak about how to uh, handle conflict in the elegant, efficient, effective, expansive, evolved way as we center Christ and make our faith not just our crutch, but our firm foundation. I pray that today, if there's a word cloud in your mind, that some of the words that would stick out to you is Lord Jesus Christ, right? Um, I heard on Twitter once a uh, theologian say that a nice sermon feedback is, Pastor, you're amazing. A better ser sermon feedback is, that passage was amazing. But the best sermon feedback is, isn't Christ amazing? And so today I pray the word cloud of your mind. Jesus Christ is big. I pray the word compassion is big. The word patience and the word peace stand out to you like never before. See, remember, brothers and sisters, you and I are not just temporary tolerated guests of the cosmic king of kings, but we are permanent beloved children who choose to serve of a heavenly father. So the big idea of today's message, I think I'll share this with Ethan so he can put some stuff in both chats and Anna. The big idea for today's message is this. The peace of Christ and the word of Christ gives us a place to root ourselves in the midst of conflict. And to have an identity that, that we can live out as we sometimes disagree with the world with love. And so what's the why? Why am I preaching this sermon, right? We know what's going on in the world, right? We know the Roe v. Wade case. We know the political climate. We know everything going on. And as Christians, sometimes we have unpopulated, unpopular views, right? Um, sometimes, like, I can say I'm pro-life, but I'm not down with the rude, church mega church people and people on conservative news i just want i just know what i believe but i believe that my faith is birthed from a place of love and compassion and so you and i can get a revelation of the why and be of uh, of being wise and christ-centered in ways we're dealing with conflict in this way we can ensure our church's growth not just our growth but our church's growth See, we are called to serve New York City, and we are called to serve the people who serve New York City. And my friends, there are many paraprofessionals in the city public school system, many paramedics, police officers, correction officers, and NYCHA engineers, NYCHA elevator workers, people who work for WIC and HRA. Some of these people are beautiful people, but some of them are very opinionated. Oh, if you know anybody that works for NYCHA, if you know anybody that works in corrections, these are very opinionated people with strong idea various ideologies and geopolitical views. And we have to prepare our hearts to build a Christ-centered culture around Jesus' life, will, ways, and word, around compassion, patience, and peace, supernatural peace. So you remember whether they vote blue or red, whether they were born on the wrong side of the tracks, no one is too lost for God to find. No one is too dirty for God to cleanse. No one is too broken for God to fix. 
no one is too far from God for, for too far for God to reach. No one is too guilty for God to forgive. And no one is too sinful for God to save. Brothers and sisters, we have to challenge ourselves to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, our soul, our minds, our strengths, our opinions, our excuse me, our perspectives, our policies, our practices, and our politics. And on a personal level, on an individual level, learning how to have courageous conflicts, courageous conversations, deal with conflicts on a personal level, if we could be, it could help us have more high-functioning, more satisfying relationships in all aspects of our lives. On the career level, right, to make money. <laughs> we, when we apply conflict resolution skills at work, it, prevent, it, it helps prevent upper management from getting involved with all the things. They know when we're involved with something, they don't have to worry. And if they have to get involved, they know we exhausted all tools. It helps us reduce stress. See, if you and I demonstrate competency in conflict management and in, what's the word? Um, Nonviolent communication. You and I are likely to experience a reduce of stress at work because every time something contentious does arise, we know how to address it and we don't allow it to overwhelm us. It improves our performance because conflict will no longer be so frightening or catch us off guard so we can go and get focused back at the task at hand. It helps us demonstrate competency and increase trust. It helps us advance in leadership, demonstrating the ability to de-escalate uh, teammates, conflict in the work because it can support our path to growth. And it could be something that God uses to give us uncommon favor. So our application point in today's message is to engage a life and conflict rooted in a place of humility, conflict rooted in a place of love, humility, and worship. So today I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 17. So as you're looking for the book of Colossians, understand that this book is one of the four, four prison epistles that Four letters that Paul wrote from prison during his time with the Roman imprisonment under house arrest. Sometimes he was locked up, locked up, like <laughs> like the Rikers, and sometimes he was under house arrest. And so during this time, instead of getting like super sad and emo, he stood on task. He stood on mission, and he wrote the Book of Ephesians, which is probably one of the deepest books ever written, spiritual writings. He wrote the Book of Philippians. Uh, Philemon and Colossians. So Colossians addresses the problem in the church. Um, there was a church in Colossus, which is in Turkey, and they were like um, learning false doctrine about angels and about um, Christ not being fully God, about Jewish legalism, blending religions and Greek philosophy and mysticism. And Paul was like, listen, I'm not going to even address this stuff. I'm going to just tell you how real, how beautiful, how majestic Jesus is. And he challenges the believers to examine their lives and to be transformed through the love of Christ. Because understand that these, these early churches had Jews, rich people, and servants. They had all different types of um, races and backgrounds, languages. And so you understand, like, he, this was, and it was the genesis of the church. The enemy was trying to come in and destroy the church using Nero. 
probably possessing this uh, Nero, the leader at the time. So Paul's writing this letter. So we're going to read it twice. We're going to read this short portion, Colossians 3, 12 through 17, twice. In the New Living Translation, it says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. Ooh, God chose you to be holy. The holy people he loves. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with your love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Verse 15, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in, it, in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with a thankful heart. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. All right, let's read this again with a quick breakdown. So, Colossians 3.12, because since God chose you to be the holy people, let's stop, God chose you. God chose you, fam. You, we think we chose God, but God also chose us. If you want to be used by God, you need to remember this. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. And when I say it's not about you, that's the exact opposite of everything you and I have been taught. Our entire culture appear, uh, appeals to self-centeredness. Advertisements everywhere tell you, you're number one, do what's best for you, think of you first. But you and I are not the center of the universe. God is. And that's why when you make every problem, opportunity, and criticism about yourself, you and I become frustrated and unfulfilled. And we, be, we eventually become bored because life is more than just living for yourself. All right, so let's re continue to read. You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and self-control. Oh, that's so good. I'm, I'm going to talk about that in a second. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You and I, we must learn to forgive. That's supernatural. Forgiveness is supernatural. You have to forgive those who hurt you. Otherwise, resentment will control you. Resentment makes you miserable. It keeps you stuck in the past. And when you're stuck in the past, you're controlled by the past. Brothers and sisters, you have to forgive those who hurt you because you need more forgiveness in the future. All right, let's continue. Let's continue. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together, and the peace of God that rules your heart. And for members of one body, you're called to live in peace. All right, so let's go right into some of the takeaways. Um, one of the things we have to learn is we have to learn that 
because he talks about singing unto the Lord, right? Like how is singing connected? All this is connected in spiritual maturity. The primary mission of the church is to worship God, right? It's not just education or evangelism. It's to worship God. The Westminster Catechism says, what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So all these spiritual components, right? Clothed in humility, or um, seeing prioritizing Christ is part of the way we handle conflict. It's part of the way we navigate through life. So we have to understand that Paul's writing, he's talking about the church, right? Handling conflict in the church. But we can spiral this to church, home, or business, right? A home is a central place of conflict for many people, whether it's biological, extended, or chosen family. The people closest to us are those who sometimes we're in conflict the most. And so we have to understand that God is calling us to be a patient people. Theologian Richard Merlick once wrote that it's significant that Paul focuses on the individual to have patience rather than the one who's causing the problem, right? And so he's not saying, hey, you, stop being a knucklehead. He's talking more to the mature. And he, he places the onus and the responsibility on those with maturity, with those with illumination, with understanding, seasoned saints, to walk in a, with a sense of patience. Bearing one another's, um, being patient and bearing with one another and showing love. So you understand, Jesus washed the feet of the doubter, the denier, and the betrayer. The least we could do is to be kind with those who disagree with us. Theologian and historian Lauren Winner was talking about uh, in one of her books how um, clothing, and, and like in this scripture, is so good. We talk about clothing, humility, being clothed in, in patience and compassion, because clothing kind of de denotes identity, right? And so in one of her books, she was talking about when back in the days when, when, when a child or a husband died, the woman wore black for months. And their sons used to wear a black armband, right? Um, even many years ago in Thailand, uh, one of their, mem their royal members died. And I had a co-worker who wore, uh, she, was from, she was Thai, and she wore dark colors. And when we used to go to a restaurant called Pagoda, they used to wear dark colors. And so there was certain cultures and certain places where you could see people were mourning by the way they're dressed, right? The clothing will identify them as mourners, as people who have experienced or identified mourning. It would have shaped the way they navigated the world. It shapes the way people respond to them, how they left their house. So Paul is telling us when we leave the house, you're not, we always talk about we have to be fully, have the full armor of God, but we have to put on compassion, patience, meekness, and humility. These are the garments of those who identify as God's chosen, holy, and beloved people, right? The way you can see someone's mourning, we and I, you and I in the spirit realm, right? People need to discern. People need to recognize and realize that you are dressed with compassion, with patience, with meekness, and with humility. Now, speaking about humility, it's crazy that Paul writes about humility so much because we know as spiritual people, as Christ-centered people, the importance of humility. But when he was talking to the Greco-Roman time, they did not like humility. 
the word the, the word humility in Greek in Greek at this time was you had a derogatory connotation. It, it, it indicated loneliness, poverty, and weakness. So when Paul's telling them to be humble, he this is a countercultural expression. This is a countercultural uh, instruction, and that is still today. Still today, it's difficult to be humble. It's difficult to have compassion. It's difficult to be graceful around perpetually difficult people. You know, one of the rules of dealing with dragons is not to become one yourself. Because we know hurt people hurt. But healed people help heal. So he's talking about this, right? Um, and, and, and we know humility is a key. Humility is an attractive factor for God's blessing. We know confidence is an attractive factor to have... Uh, favor with man, but humility is the attractive factor to have uh, favor with God. So we have to uh, carefully learn this paradox. And in the Old Testament, Zechariah 9, 9, speaking about Jesus, it said, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey. It's no coincidence that God came to earth, born in a humble circumstance to humble people, and lived in a humble place as an example and expression of love for us. Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Brothers and sisters, while we must learn to be dependent on God and even somewhat dependent on each other, our faith family. All right, so another picture we see here is Paul is saying, bearing with one another, right? You ever help somebody move? You had to, you to put on your black Air Force Ones, right? You had to put on your, your, your old Navy cargo shorts, and you had to pick up some boxes, go upstairs, load the truck. And you probably told them, like, well, why don't you pay for movers, bro? Right? And, and you're doing that because that's what bearing with, with uh, another person's burden looks like. It takes sacrifice. It takes sometimes a little strain. And brothers and sisters, we have to learn to bear one another's burdens and to be patient, but patient with one another, especially as the church grows with other powerful people. And then a, a few things he, he talks about is the importance of worship, the importance of making Christ central in your life, right? Another thing he talks about that I really like is he talked about teaching one another, right? To encourage and to teach one another. One of the greatest ways to learn something or to grow is to teach. And so this is one of the things I really want you guys to start thinking about is that every time we come together in a, a service, every time we come together in a midweek, pray that God will give you a word, a scripture, a, a short word of encouragement. This is how we grow. We grow when we get something, we seal it in our heart, we apply it, and we seek for opportunity to share it. All right, fam, we're done. So the big idea of this message is the peace of Christ and the word of God will help us navigate through conflict. Remember, pressure bursts pipes or it also makes diamonds. Tim Ferriss says, one of my favorite authors, a person's success in life is usually measured by the number of uncomf uncomfortable conversations he or she is willing to have. It's easier to have tough conversations when you center your life on Christ, on the Lord's will and ways concerning yourself, 
the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, and the house and family of God. As we engage conflict, I pray that you will be rooted in a place with humility, love, and worship. Let's pray. Father, I pray for your people that we can learn this revelation that Paul wrote in Colossians, that we will be uh, a people who are humble, a people who put you first, a people of depth, a people of character, of holiness, that we'll be clothed in tender mercy and kindness because we are holy people, that we will forgive others as we've been forgiven, that we would center love in our hearts, that your peace will rule in our hearts, that we will be a thankful people, that we will teach and counsel others about the wisdom you have given us, that we will be worshipers with a song of worship in our heart wherever we go, knowing that we are ambassadors of this kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, family. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, let me put my...